0: What is the point of that?
1: (laughs) It's distracting you, and I don't even know
0: why. Because you put it right there. There's a Mario. Sean has put a Mario on the back of the
1: couch. Mario in a white tuxedo.
0: Hey, guys. Welcome back to Couple Goals with SNM hello we are on episode 21 21 so that's cool yeah sounds kind of legit we have big news we do we are on spotify yes we are on
1: spotify that is big news
0: so yeah since our last episode we were finally approved for spotify so we are up on spotify yes making life so much easier for anybody right who uses Spotify? Like, I, lo- I love Spotify.
1: I've yeah, never used favorite. it for podcasts. but that's, I use it for podcasts. It's great. It's, it's a great app.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic app, non-spawns, it's, but it's great. It's fantastic. That's um, the big news. Oh, we have other big news. So yesterday, we're driving, and this thing hits our tire. We're driving a Jeep, a 2016 Jeep Renegade. And this thing hits our tire, and it goes flat. Like instantly, like it goes from like normal tire pressure to like ten, and we try to fix it. But, but there's no spares. There's in no Jeep's.
1: spare tire anymore. There is a, an air compressor, and some fix-a-flat. Yeah. That's what that's what was in, in the spare tire compartment.
0: Some fucking fix-a-flat.
1: So we had we had to get our vehicle towed because of a, a tire blowout. Yeah. Because this was it was it was, uh, it, was
0: it wasn't 30, shredded
1: uh, completely off, but no, it, it was, was a sizable gash. It wasn't like a nail hole, like a yeah. small. It, this was a gash in our tire, so obviously fix a flat isn't going to do a whole lot. So
0: we had to pay one hundred ninety-one dollars because we were really far away from home to get it towed to get it towed back up here to a place that isn't open till tomorrow this to is, get a tire put on.
1: This is kind of a PSA. Find yeah. out if you have a spare tire.
0: Everybody, check wherever the hell your spare tire is supposed to be.
1: I would have been so happy to have a donut yesterday. That's all—just um, a donut, just enough to get your car to doesn't and from. have one either. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it's they do it to save on gas mileage.
1: I'm gonna have to get a tire put in there.
0: Yeah, that's bad.
1: But yeah, we were going to our friends uh, Adam and Brett's birthday party. Happy birthday, guys!
0: Yeah. Happy birthday.
1: From, from us at Couple Goals.
0: <laughs> from special, your friends at
1: Couple Goals. Special birthday shout out. So, Adam doesn't
0: listen, but happy birthday, Brett.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, it, was, it was a good time, though. We, we ended up staying out super late, which is something I haven't done in years.
0: Like 20. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's. I
1: don't remember the last time I closed out a bar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The bartender left and we were still there waiting, had for, wait, our waiting had get, for our Uber. Waiting for Uber. We had to get an Uber, right? Because our car got a flat tire and they don't give you tires anymore. So the tow truck driver had to take it back up to our side of town, like our part of Ohio. And he dropped us off at the bar on his way because we were so close to being yeah, there. We were
1: literally about seven minutes away.
0: We were almost what there. Happened. And then we had to take an Uber home. So then we had to wait for our Uber. And the bartender left as we were standing there waiting for it. It was just lost in a parking lot. And right. We got home at 3.55 in the morning. And it was really cool because the Uber driver also drives for Uber Eats. I don't know. Do you, always, do you drive for Uber Eats by default or do you have to sign up, do you think? I, I, don't, I don't think care. it would be. Sign up? Because it no, seems like a lot of work.
1: I don't think so. Just go pick up some food. What's the difference between doing that and pick somebody? I mean, I'm just guessing. But I would think. I don't know. That's just a part of Uber now. Like, And you can just choose the same with anything when. The ride comes up, you choose to do it or not. Yeah. So
0: So anyway, she had a new Breats order that she tried to to deliver but nobody answered the door. I personally think somebody placed the order while they were drunk and then fell asleep. But yeah. she had so she had like all this McDonald's and it was still warm. Like it was like fresh McDonalds. I mean fresh as mcdonald's is so i ended up having a mcgriddle and a hash brown on my way home (laughs) and
1: And you were delighted
0: i was so happy it was every bite was amazing yeah it was so good so yeah that's that's all of our news yeah spotify spotify now
1: check for spare tires
0: check for spare tires rate review subscribe
1: rate review subscribe tell your friends
0: couple dot com.
1: Yes. So who who's going first today?
0: I'm gonna go first because you okay. went first last time. Oh okay. So I get to go.
1: I didn't know we had a we had rules in place.
0: Oh is is your story a bummer? No. I don't Neither think so. is mine. So normally the rule is like if it's a bummer you go first, so that way we no. can like cleanse the palate. Yeah but mine's not a bummer either, and you went first I'm I'm
1: really curious about yours anyway, because you told me a little bit about it.
0: Yeah, mine is super-duper fun. So this week I'm talking about Silk Road, which if you don't know what Silk Road is, it is a marketplace. I'll go into all the details, but it was a marketplace that was on the dark net. It was known for mainly drugs, but we're going to talk a lot about the founder, how it got started, and then how it fell apart. So, Ross Albrick is an American former drug trafficker and darknet market operator, best known for creating and running Silk Road. So, he ran it from 2011 to his arrest in 2013. And he was known as the Dread Pirate Roberts. Nice. Yeah, that was his nickname. Albrick was convicted of money laundering, computer hacking, conspiracy to traffic fraudulent identity documents and conspiracy to traffic narcotics he's currently serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole
1: life's wait what, what was the worst of the crimes on there
0: um i would say probably conspiracy to traffic narcotics you get
1: life sentence
0: for that life sentence is there the, a, like
1: attempted murder or anything in there
0: Cause i didn't hear he you say that he wasn't charged with that So he was sentenced in 2015, and then the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit upheld his conviction in 2017. And then just a couple days ago, on June 28th, 2018, the Supreme Court declined to hear a further appeal. So he's done. He's stuck. Life Life in prison. Wow. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about him, how it all came to be. It's kind of a long story, but it's really a good one. So Ross grew up in the Austin metropolitan area. He was a Boy Scout. He did attain the rank of Eagle Scout, which, you know, is a big deal, right? He attended Westridge Middle School, Westlake High School, both near Austin. He graduated from high school in 2002. So this dude is younger than me. Yeah. He then attended University of Texas at Dallas on a full academic scholarship. He graduated in 2006 with a bachelor's degree in physics. Nice. Then he attended Penn State, where he got a master's degree in material science and engineering and studied wow. crystallography, which I didn't even know was a thing. I, I don't know what that is. It sounds to me like you're trying to make meth, but I, I don't know. I didn't <laughs> research it. So, crystal but, methography? Crystal methography. By the time he graduated, he had become really libertarian. Okay. So... If you don't know what a libertarian is, they seek to mac- maximize political freedom and autonomy, emphasizing freedom of choice. Individual judgment's a big thing, and they're, they're really skeptical of authority and state power.
1: They want to minimize government.
0: They want to minimize lot. government and give everybody the choice to do what you want to do.
1: Famous, famous libertarian, Ron Swanson. Yeah. Not, not a real person, but Ron Swanson.
0: So after Ross graduated from Penn State in 2009, he tried to start his own business. He started um, tried to start a video game company. He was trying day trading like he was really trying to do like lots of stuff. And he didn't find any success. And he was trying to figure out what he could do that he was actually, you know, passionate about. And that's when he started contemplating the idea of building an online black market. Huh. And that would you it would use Tor and Bitcoin to evade law enforcement. So. Let's talk about that Tor. Do you know what Tor is? Is it the web browser? Yes. It is it's a free software. It enables completely anonymous communication. And the name actually comes from an acronym for the for the original software project which was the onion router. Oh, so Tor. Tor directs internet traffic through a free worldwide Volunteer overlay network consisting of more than 7,000 relays to conceal the user's location and usage from anyone trying to conduct network surveillance or any kind of traffic analysis. Wow. Yeah. So using Tor makes it just more difficult to track that. I mean, you can still see it if it's coming from, like, if, you know, if you look at it, but it makes it more difficult for outside to track it. You can visit websites, post online, instant message, like anything you can do, you can do through TOR. TOR's intended use is to protect personal privacy of its users. Onion routing was developed in the mid-1990s by the United States Naval Research Lab. Oh. So I don't know if you know that it was actually a Navy thing.
1: Nope. Yeah. I know that.
0: So it was created by the U.S. government to protect U.S. intelligence communication and it was further developed by DARPA and then eventually it was released as Tor on the 20th of September 2002 so a couple of days before our wedding. Huh. All right, so then Bitcoin, right? This is the other part. Yeah. That you need to understand. So Bitcoin is a big deal now, like everybody right. knows it now, but it was the first cryptocurrency. Right. Like it was the first thing, first form of electronic cash and it's basically for peer-to-peer I mean, you you pay people with it, and then you can cash them out. Right. And it was released as open soft soft open source software in two thousand nine. So Ross began working on this marketplace in two thousand ten as like a side project. He was running this like online bookstore at the time, and he was trying to figure out like something else he could do that he actually cared about. Yeah. And he was he named this Silk Road because of a trade route for like spices in the han dynasty oh here i actually say this um during the han dynasty which was 206 bc to 220 a.d yeah it was it was a trade route between europe india and china and it was like it it was like really well known that's how the world got their shit back in the day gotcha so he was like yeah i want to i want to give shit to the world so (laughs) here you know here it is or whatever And he did purposely name Dread Pirate Roberts after the character in Princess Bride because his ultimate goal was to pretend like multiple people were taking over the Dread Pirate Roberts look, even though it was him the whole time. Yeah. He would like change how he would write. He would do things to make it seem like there were many people involved when it was really just him. Wow. Yeah. He also hired an administrator known as Chronic Pain. His real name is Curtis Green, and he played a really pivotal role in taking down Dread Pirate Roberts and Silk Road. But we're going to talk about that more in a bit. Just know that that was the thing, too. All right. This part is all from my memory. (laughs) Okay, So let's get a little bit more casual here, because that was all real research and backstory. So Ross started Silk Road as a place to sell shrooms,
1: mushroom, magic, mushrooms,
0: magic, mushrooms. Magic mushrooms are actually Start small grown. Did you know that? I don't know anything about drugs, so I didn't know that. I think I i always
1: thought like mushrooms. Uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I'd always hear they were. I don't know. They came from like manure or all, all kinds of weird shit about. Yeah. Magic mushrooms. Oh, no, I
0: don't know how to grow them or anything, but I didn't realize they were grown. To yeah. me, that's just I don't know, like makes sense. Yeah, I, I guess. So what he did is he rented out, like, he lived with his longtime girlfriend, Julia, who he had started dating, like, back in college. Yeah. Right? So they they lived upstairs. They rent out this downstairs apartment. And she doesn't know that he's doing this. And okay. he starts growing. He, he sets up, like, a grow room, like, yeah. in this downstairs apartment. And once he has a lot growing and he has got the website coding going, he shows Julia. I
1: wonder what the what you need, what are are the growth conditions for mushrooms? I always thought it had to be damp. I thought that was a big factor. I don't know. I mean, I
0: I don't I don't know that. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. But it was like right downstairs. It was like this total grow house. And then he set up Silk Road and he was the only merchant. Yeah, because you know what I mean? Like, how, how do you do it? So what he did is he promoted his site. He promoted Silk Road in comments on Bitcoin forums. On the real web, like on the internet, that we're, oh, okay. that we're all used to. Right. Because with Darknet, and I don't know how much you know about Darknet either, but... Not a whole lot. You have to type in the address. It's not like Google. You can't search for stuff. It's right. not going to give you a suggestion.
1: You have to know what you're yes. looking for.
0: Yes, and things don't end in .com. They, they end in .onion because it's, huh. it's the onion. Yeah. So he set up a WordPress.com site which is the free version of WordPress. Which You could like, like you could set up a couple of those podcast.wordpress.com if we wanted to, you know what yeah. I mean? Like anybody can set up a, a com account through WordPress. And he set up this account and had instructions on how to access Silk Road through the wordpress.com.
1: Yeah.
0: And he only left like two or three comments on Bitcoin forums. Like he didn't promote the hell out of it. He just did it a couple places he would direct these people to the to the WordPress, and then they would go to this URL, which the, his URL was Silk Road, six, and then a whole shit ton of like random letters. Yeah. Dot onion, and that's a really standard URL. Wow. So like a standard URL will have like the name of what it is, and then garbled nonsense. Right. Because they don't want you. You can only find it if you know about it. Right. Is the point of yeah. of the of that so. In 2011, remember Gawker? Yeah. Okay. So a Gawker reporter stumbled upon one of his comments on the bit and then went to the site and then went to Silk Road. Yeah. So he starts poking around and he wants to write an article and Ross reached out to him like on his own, not identifying who he was, but he reached out to him and was like, hey, you know, do you really want to write about this? This seems dumb. And when he couldn't persuade him not to do it. Yeah he talked to him about it like he not not <laughs> as not as dread Pyre roberts not gotcha. as the founder yeah but like as a consumer gotcha and so this guy writes an article which i read it's still available if you look for it yeah he writes an article going into how you you buy drugs through the mail like you know if you want to if you want to try whatever you can go online you can buy it it'll get shipped to your house and it's like is this the, is this is the future of you know drug dealing or whatever right and it instantly created this like huge traffic boom for Silk Road. I bet because everyone was like, "I want to buy drugs through the mail."
1: Right. That sounds perfect. Right. Like, okay,
0: that's like that. <laughs> that old, fits
1: my lifestyle as a drug consumer.
0: That's Mitch Hedberg's old joke. Right. He's like, "I FedEx like my guy. I like my FedEx guy because he's also my drug dealer,
1: and he doesn't know it."
0: But the problem was that this article it drew attention from people who wanted to buy drugs, but it also drew attention from the government.
1: Right. Because. Of Law enforcement it's like oh yeah. that's
0: not a good idea so <laughs> then senator and he now he's the senate minority leader chuck schumer yeah he asked for federal law enforcement to step in and shut it down yeah well, the issue is it's not that easy right it's not that easy on the dark it one. sounds you like the it, dark
1: web is set up in such a way that they don't want you to find oh, who's doing it <laughs> yeah uh, Yes. that
0: yeah, I don't, know. I don't know how much you would know about that, but...
1: It sounds like they go to great lengths, actually, to not be found. So you can't just... Sh- it's not the same as showing up in a meth lab. It's and not the
0: same as typing in, in your who is and trying... <laughs> right. And finding all of the domain lookup. Well, like, right. That's not how that works. It's weird. At this point, in 2011, so this is the same year it was started, but yep. it's a couple of months in, they're now selling all the drugs, like 100% of the drugs. They are, like, whatever drug you want kind of like how vendors. Amazon
1: started as a bookstore.
0: Right. So now they have all the drugs. In another year or so, they started selling weapons. They started selling fake IDs. They started selling social security numbers. They started selling.
1: Is there is there like a documentary? This seems like it would be a good documentary, like a Netflix documentary or something. Material. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no. I haven't seen any documentaries on it.
1: And I would watch that in a heartbeat.
0: Well, and Ross, if you Google him, Ross Albrecht he is quite handsome he's a, he's a good looking dude yeah. he's like it it's a it's a really good story there are also two other characters that i don't really have characters. mentioned well i mean that they would be in the they would be in the show if you put it on right uh variety jones or what's his name Varsity jones i don't know variety jones and smedley those are the other two that he would come to rely on for like advice and stuff anyway so this is me <laughs> Retelling things that I've read and heard. So, like, I'm not sure how accurate everything in this part of the story is. This is from my memory. What is the point of that?
1: (laughs) It's distracting you, and I don't even know why. (laughs)
0: Because you put it right there. There's a Mario. Sean has put a Mario on the back of the couch.
1: Mario in a white tuxedo.
0: Why is it so effective at
1: distracting you? Now there's a Bowser in a white tuxedo. Why do
0: you have so many (laughs) Nintendo characters in white tuxedos? (laughs) Like, let's talk about that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (sighs) See, yeah, by 2013, which was ultimately the year he was arrested, but look at, like, in 2013 the beginning, right? He was a different person. Uh, yeah,
1: it sounds like he went from uh, uh, entrepreneurial, right. well-educated, smart like, guy to probably like in over his head Bad. a little bit.
0: It's, not, it's like Breaking Bad. Like, he starts off and he's like, I need to just take care of this. And then he was like, well, now we do all the things. Right. It's like, I run guns now. Right. But, like, not really. All he does is sit back and administer the website. Yeah. So, in his life. He was kind of, life, of
1: like the guy who who started Napster, where he was he was probably just like, hey, man.
0: I just made the software.
1: I didn't really do anything. (laughs) Right.
0: So, this guy, he had roommates. Like he and Julia had broken up at this point, even though they had been together since college. He
1: probably needed some roommates because he probably wasn't making a lot of money.
0: He was a millionaire, (laughs) and he when he was he had twenty. He's a
1: millionaire and has roommates (laughs) because
0: he was trying to keep a low profile. He told people he did it by himself. So he had roommates. He like he just sublet rooms. He did it under a fake name he had because because he ran Silk Road. So he got these fake IDs and stuff like. Yeah. So he wasn't even living as himself anymore. You know, so this is where we get back to Curtis Green. Okay. From earlier, that administrator. Green was identified by authorities after having a kilo of cocaine sent to his house. Wow. He also had $23,000 in cash in his fanny pack. Fanny pack. And he was holding a USPS priority mailbox full of $27,000 worth of cocaine when feds literally kicked in his door. Holy shit. He was standing there in the middle of his kitchen. I never thought anybody's
1: fanny pack had thousands of dollars in it. Well, you you would be
0: wrong in this guy's case.
1: Yeah. Who knows who else?
0: So, yeah, he's he he's a Mormon grandpa. He was living in Utah. He's like an old dude. He's he was 47 at the time that happened. Yeah. And um, he was this was January of 2013. He started talking like immediately. Right. Like middle of his kitchen floor holding cocaine because he was like opening the box. So the coke was like out. Yeah. And it exploded. He said he was just covered. Everything i brought was like he was just covered in. And he's wearing a fanny pack with all his cash. And he tried to convince them that the cash was actually his tax return and that he was just carrying it around like you do. Like, oh, like who's getting a twenty seven thousand dollar tax return? Right. Or twenty four, twenty three, whatever. So he's sitting on his kitchen floor covered in cocaine and he just starts talking like he is answering questions that they're not asking. Right. He's like, let me tell you everything I know. Even with all of this, like leg up, the D.E.A., still didn't know what was going on like they didn't they, they just thought they got a coat like they didn't they didn't know yeah what they had stumbled upon so they were going through his computer and they actually realized what was going on like they realized he worked for silk road that they had caught a bigger fish than they thought they did right and that, you know that they were going to be able to lead them to an even bigger fish right so dread, dread pirate roberts or whatever you want to call him ross was sending all these messages to green once he got he was in custody yeah, He was like, where are you? What's going on? Like, right. Because he just disappeared. He had logged in, him, in a few days.
1: Do you remember in Iron Man 3, the Ben Kingsley character that they used yeah. as yeah. the man? That's who I picture as Curtis Green is him just being like, my name's Trevor. Yeah, <laughs> you know. That's, yeah,
0: exactly. That's exactly what it was. Like, this is this is when he was seized. He when he was arrested, he was um, in a bathrobe. Yeah. With his two Chihuahuas, Yeah. and he was covered in cocaine. It's very comical, like when Green didn't reply to Ross's messages. You yeah. know, like where are you? He right. hadn't been on like three days. That's when Ross thought because he'd been he was in this now for like two years, so he started thinking that he had been betrayed. Yeah, there's something about missing bitcoins that were alleged like $350,000 worth of missing bitcoins that Ross was alleging that Curtis Green stole from him. Curtis Green denies it. Yeah. I don't fully understand that. I didn't research that because you know what I mean? Yeah. But Ross thought he was friends with this guy who was in the cartel. That's what he he... He's going through... The people on Silk Road, and he's pretty sure that this one guy is in this cartel and he's like, he's got people who can take care of things for him. So he reaches out to him. Well, it turns out this guy's an agent. Oh, so this guy that he reaches out to is an agent and he's like, hey, you know, what should I do? And he's like, oh, you know, definitely like it's like the Wild West out here. Make sure you take care of it, whatever. He's like, okay, well, how much to have him have him killed? So, he contracts with what is actually an agent, but he thinks is a hitman. Right. He thinks he's a drug cartel, like, lord. So, I
1: mean, he, they didn't charge him with that,
0: though? Is Who?
1: that Ross?
0: Well, I, talk, I, said, I said you were jumping ahead. That's what I meant. So, then he sends $40,000 as an advance to a government-controlled account. He obviously didn't know it was government controlled. I mean, you know, but okay. I get that. So then the agents went and got Green, who had been arrested, but he was only actually held in, in jail for two days, and then he was on supervised release. Yeah. So they were just watching him. He was on house arrest basically.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, they went and got him, and then they staged a bunch of photos of them like waterboarding him and killing him and sent like photos proving he was dead. Yeah. But wow. I guess I guess when you die from asphyxiation, some kind of not blood, but like some kind of yellowy substance comes out.
1: That makes. that's like when I found that corpse when I was working and there was that fluid. Yeah. Like that dried fluid on his. Ugh. I didn't know that. I wonder if that's if he, if he choked to death on something.
0: So but that's what happens with asphyxiation, because they use Campbell's Chicken and Stars that that base of that that yeah. yellowy base that's yeah, what they I thought used it was like vomit prove.
1: or something when i when, when i found no, that, apparently that, that
0: happened so what in the stage photos they use this campbell soup to make it look like he's dead and then
1: but unfortunately it was alphabet soup so he knew right away it was staged because there was <laughs> <there's> <laughs> there, there were letters stars. there were
0: little stars all over <laughs> the <that> face <day. laughs> right and it's like who It dazzled the shit out of this guy before killing him <laughs> So thinking he was murdered, Ross sent the other 40000 to the government account and was like, yeah.
1: I don't know the going price for, for an assassination. That seems really high.
0: It actually should seem really low. I don't know. Yeah. I,
1: don't, I, I don't know. I don't have a basis of comparison.
0: Well, when he tried to get the Hells Angels. Oh, and I don't talk about this, but it is something that we'll talk about real quick. He was trying to get the Hells Angels to kill people. He ended up trying to kill like six people. Oh, wow. And Like none of them were killed. Yeah, he was always giving money away for killing people. He spent like seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars on hits. And they just took it. No, seven hundred and thirty thousand. Yeah, Not so seven hundred and thirty. Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought maybe I said seven hundred thirty dollars, and no, I was no, like, "That's no. very cheap. That's very that's incredibly <laughs> that's, that's <inexpensive>. very affordable." <laughs> no wow, wonder affordable. the jobs never got
1: done, though. <laughs> so he he. This spent, guy gave me ninety bucks to kill somebody. He spent Fuck that nearly
0: guy. a million dollars trying to kill off his. Like people who scammed him, people who were selling bad drugs. This would be
1: a fascinating movie. And I picture it in the mold of like a Martin Scorsese movie, like Goodfellas. Like shot like that, told the story told like that.
0: Trademark, we're going to do
1: it. It would be an amazing movie.
0: We're going to become directors. So when he he was like trying to build a relationship with the Hells Angels. And I don't know the details again. This is just me telling you from memory. It's not even in my notes. But they wanted to charge him 200,000 for a hit okay and he was like absolutely not or maybe it was 250 but it was like it was a lot and he yeah. was like no he's like that's you know thinking that he had only paid 80 to kill right. curtis green he was like well that's outrageous
1: what i'm trying to remember and this might be something i actually cover is there was a uh, a shitty new wave of american heavy metal band which was an era in metal in the 2000s called uh, as i lay dying and the lead singer from that band paid to have paid to have his wife killed
0: yeah
1: it's pretty common but it you know it was like an undercover kind of thing and they whatever. only paid
0: like twenty thousand or 40, yeah it was or really something.
1: that's that's kind of my basis of comparison yeah that's
0: not really like that's yeah. yeah and of course he was talking to an agent he wasn't talking to a real hit person i'm sure right and that's why maybe that's why the price was so low right because real hitmen don't do stuff that cheap really and yeah because it's, i guess the hell's angels I don't know anything about the Hells Angels. All right, so this is just, don't see me. All I know I about know. them
1: is from the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where they hired yeah. the, the Hells Angels to do their security, and it, it didn't go
0: well. So, he was supposed, like, he was building, trying to build a business relationship with them, Like, through Silk Road. Yeah. So, they were negotiating back and forth on one of these people he, he wanted killed. And they came down, Hells Angels came down to 150 as, like, a gesture of goodwill. Yeah. So he spent a time, like, he spent almost a million dollars trying to kill people. Wow. And none of them, none of them were killed.
1: Right. I get that. But none of But still, them. With that intent.
0: But you're paying a 100- hundred, but they're, he, he was under the impression they were killed. Right. Like, the Hells Angels reported back that, that it was done. Nice. And, like, they weren't <laughs> actually, that's what I mean when I say, like, I don't know anything about the Hells Angels, but they're, they're setting themselves up as hitmen, but then they're not so like that's cool <laughs> that's smart i can get behind
1: no, that it, they were it, oh, that's the thing though too like if somebody you know what i mean if somebody's yeah. trying to pay that that means they're not willing to get their own hands dirty right. for whatever reasons so you you probably don't have a lot of respect for them anyway so right so you're gonna really take care. this nerd's money
0: yeah
1: we're not gonna whack anybody we're just gonna buy a whole bunch of drugs and a motorcycle on his website
0: Now, in in early 2013, Homeland Security showed up at Ross's house. They were looking for Ross. However, they knew him under the name of Joshua Terry. Okay. So they're there to talk to Joshua Terry, who is Ross. They're at his home. And like I said, he's somewhat... Do they know Ross
1: is Joshua Terry yet?
0: They don't know that, and they don't know Ross is behind everything at this point. So they show up at his house, and he, like, answers the door, and there are agents at the door... He's like, hello? And they're like, uh, yeah, you know, we're here from Homeland Security. We seized all these fake IDs coming in from Canada. And we wanted to talk to you about where you got them. We won't, we're not going to press charges. You're not in any kind of trouble. Yeah, right. We want, he wasn't. Oh, okay. And they were like, we we just want. because oh,
1: they were trying to get to him. They were
0: trying to get to him, right. to Ross. Right. But they didn't know.
1: That was him. That they were already
0: <laughs> talking to Ross. Right. So they're like, we just want to know where you're getting these from so we can, you know, stop, stop the influx. And they were like really high quality IDs. I noted that because I thought that was crazy. They had like holographic features and everything. Like they were like, they were like up there. And he had a ton of different names because he was running out servers to keep up with Silk Road's. Traffic load, load? yeah. Yeah. So he was running out all these servers, but he was running them out under fake names so that way he didn't draw any attention to himself, right? So that's why he actually did that. So now, before the agents left, Ross was feeling rather cocky because they didn't know who he was. Yeah. So he told them that hypothetically, anyone could have drugs or fake IDs shipped to them via a website called Silk, Silk Road.
1: Jesus fucking... That's like out of a movie, man. The arrogant villain.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And the quote from the article said, it's a strange thing to mention, and it was duly noted by the agents, but they weren't there to talk to him about Silk Road. So they left, and they took the fake IDs with them, and just kind of, like, filed it along, you know, as fake IDs. In May 2013, hackers shut down the site for about a week, and many users were... Thinking it was the work of a competitor called Atlantis, and it was the new tour-based illicit goods vendor. Yeah, and they had just launched. They put out a big YouTube trailer. It was like a big, big like, launch. It was like Get we're your doing drugs we here, folks. We, we got right. And so we got this big thing, and they were doing group chat with reporters, and it. the spokesman was named Heisenberg. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So they really they um they advertised that atlantis was facebook to silk roads myspace like that was nice. their that was their thing it was like new age so they, they got it back up and running he was paying like 50 grand a month in protection quote unquote yeah from hackers who were blackmailing him basically yeah so he's paying just like to keep his site up and to keep it going right but there was an irs criminal investigator named gary alford he had stumbled upon all of this stuff with Ross years before. And then he finally figured out that Dread Pirate Roberts is is the creator. And he started looking for ties to Dread Pirate. You know, he started, like, doing some back work. And this is an IRS criminal investigator. Like, he's not tied to, you know. Yeah. But he starts doing some work. He gets added to this task force that's doing the work. He was looking for tour URLs around the same time as the site's first appearance. And he found a mention on shroomery.com, org forums yeah. on January 27th, 2011. This was just a couple days after Silk Road had launched. And it was a user named Altoid talking about this service that claims to allow you to buy and sell anything online anonymously. Yeah. So he went looking elsewhere and he found the username Altoid revealed a question like in a in stack overflow like a different forum yeah on march 16 2013 saying how do i connect a tor hidden service using curl and php whoa. and the email that was attached to altoid was rossalberg at gmail.com whoa so a minute later in the logs that Altoid changed his alias to Frosty. That's how they got him. That's how they figured out who it was. He was arrested on October 2nd, 2013, in San Francisco. He was at Glen Park Library, a branch of the San Francisco Public Library, to prevent Ross from encrypting or deleting any data on the laptop that he was using, because he had set up, like, all these layers of protection. I bet. But he was currently using it when they were gonna arrest him, so they want to make sure he wasn't able to like one key delete kind yeah. of thing. So two agents pretended to be quarreling lovers, and once they had distracted him, a third agent came in and grabbed the laptop. Wow. Yeah. Clever. Uh, it was It's pretty it's pretty cool. So according to Business Insider, Ross was distracted and he got up to see what the problem was, whereupon a female agent grabbed his laptop while a ma- the male agent Restrained Ross and another agent inserted a flash drive into the USB port and was able to copy all the files. Nice. Like it's like it's some serious movie shit. And Tarbell, yeah. Agent Chris Tarbell, presented Ross with the warrant. He was actually like the head of the task force. So getting back to what you've been asking me about this whole time. Ross was indicted on charges of money laundering, computer hacking, conspiracy to traffic narcotics, and attempting to have six people killed.
1: Oh, so hidden details. Sorry, prosecutor <laughs> alleged that. That's oh I was God. like, man, life sentence for
0: that. Holy no, shit! No, listen, that's what he was indicted on. Prosecutors yeah. alleged that he paid seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars to have uh, m- others commit murders. Right, but the prosecutor also believed that none of those murders had occurred so one charge of procuring murder was to be dealt with at a separate pending trial in maryland but the other five were dropped wow so because nobody was actually killed they i guess i'm guessing they just got they didn't want anything that wasn't airtight is my guess but i read the chat logs yeah i've like i've read his chat logs where he's like because they had and i don't have this in the thing either but in this task force, they were able to catch one of the low-level people, one of the low-level admins yep. that he had like patrolling the forums, and it was a girl, and the agent took over as her, oh, okay. and then rose through the ranks. Holy shit! So I mean, there was like so much going on in this. There's so many moving parts. I've probably invested six or seven hours into this thing, just reading, listening, like yeah, articles. Everything I can find on it. Podcasts, everything. Yeah. Because it's so interesting. But yeah, I'm missing is. a lot. And I I there are books on it and I want to buy a book. Like it's so good.
1: I want to see a movie. I don't like reading. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I want to so, see, see a well-made movie.
0: Yeah, he was convicted of all those charges in February of twenty fifteen, like we talked about. And got life. just a couple days ago. Today is July first. On June twenty eighth, he was Um, He basically lost his appeal. The Supreme Court declined to even consider it.
1: It's weird. It's still weird to me to get if if he was not charged with attempted murder or whatever you call it. It's weird to get life for for the charges that you listed, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I they don't feel like I wonder if it's like over a certain dollar amount, maybe or like.
1: I think it has to do with the fact that the government was just angry that this is this is going on. You know what I They're mean? not getting like, any like part black of it. market stuff yeah. is is a huge deal to them because they they can't tax it. They one can't of the things I it.
0: one of the things I listened to was a podcast and they were talking about how they were selling organs like kidneys. I'm like, Holy I didn't shit. research that. I didn't. I didn't. I was like, OK, the like, all I need to know is that it's a black market. But because he's libertarian and he's believes that everyone you should have the right to sell your kidney. You should have the right to buy your buy a kidney. I can get behind that. That's how I feel. I feel like
1: I mean, as long as it's not the knocks, but you have to know, you know, you have to have a paper trail on this kidney. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You can't just is, buy is it off just the some internet. homeless dude that dude, got but I believe, knocked out.
0: I believe one hundred and ten percent that you can.
1: I just picture that horse with Charlie.
0: Yeah, Charlie, <laughs>
1: Charlie and the Magic. What was it?
0: Charlie, uh, Magic Mountain, Candy magic? Mountain. Candy, Candy Mountain? Mountain. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie, it's a magical Leo plurodon. It's
1: like <laughs> yeah, yeah they took my kidney. <laughs> <Or whatever laughs> oh, cool. that's.
0: Uh, so yeah, that's, <laughs> that was a great. That's an awesome twelve. Uh, text messages come through my computer. I don't know what to tell you. That's, don't
1: text during the podcast. I saw you. I okay, saw you.
0: But she was. She's having I a hard time. Saw
1: you. <laughs> I was there.
0: She's having a hard time with. Uh, setting up her phone (laughs) like what do you want but yeah so it's just so interesting right like it's so interesting
1: it is it's yeah that was that was
0: and it it's been my obsession for a couple days
1: yeah well like a week like i I would i would love to see a well-made movie or netflix series or something or just even
0: just inspired by
1: yeah no i want i want i like it when stuff is i'm not necessarily looking for a documentary i'd watch that though too
0: you I do like things dramatized like a little bit, based on the true events, kind of thing. Yeah,
1: because I I know like Goodfellas, yeah. but you know what? Like Conjuring is
0: based on a good. On okay, true but no, get the fuck out of here. I mean, like real <laughs> shit, not
1: yeah. just stupid people. Based on the notions of stupid people,
0: <laughs> notions.
1: So yeah, so that'll, yeah that'll, tell
0: me, tell me about you. Tell me your shit.
1: I have a very exciting and also. Very current and topical (laughs) topic as well. I'm I'm gonna talk about the 1987 movie RoboCop. So that's topical. It's it's only 31 years old. 31.
0: Okay, got it. (laughs) It's
1: 31 years old now. So let me let me just go into some details, uh, some brief details about the movie. Uh, It came out in 1987 in July. Uh, The director was uh, Paul Verhoeven, who. went on to this kind of launched his career he'd done some stuff before this but nobody in america nobody really knew him he's a dutch director
0: yeah he's really dutch
1: uh basically he got he got the job because they they couldn't find a director an american director that would do it they all kind of turned their noses up at this nobody wanted anything to do with it yeah so they 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 find this guy they liked his previous stuff so so paul Verhoeven was the director uh, it was written by Ed Newmeyer and Michael Miner, and it stars Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Kurtwood Smith, Miguel Ferrer, and Ray Ronnie, Wise. Ronnie Cox. Ray Wise is in it. So um, let's see here.
0: If you don't know why I, I chimed in with Ray Wise, it's because I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan, and that was, that's the guy who played Leland Palmer.
1: So it was shot in 1986 for a budget of 13 million dollars. So I'm not sure what that equates to nowadays, but th- that's a low budget movie. It's pretty low budget yeah, movie, it's especially for. Yeah, very low budget. Uh, it went on to gross 53 million dollars in the U.S. Oh, so it did really well. Yeah, kind of a surprise. Most of the actors,
0: I'll buy that for treated a it
1: <laughs> treated it as a kind as like a B movie, and it kind of was, but. It, I think the material itself, uh, it, it elevated itself above being a B-movie just because of the director they brought on, the vision he brought to it, the actors they got, all that stuff, how seriously they, they took it and everything like that. So I, I think it, it, it's a lot better than a B-movie. So I, I also I just kind of want to talk about 1987 for a minute.
0: I was six. What else you want to talk about?
1: I was 11, I think.
0: Well, depending
1: and okay i was actually i was 10 for most of the year mm-hmm. i was i was 10 year old kid in 1987 so a lot of the stuff i'm going to talk about in 1987 isn't stuff i actually remember i, I remember robocop coming out i loved going to my great grandma's house and on we'd go there every weekend and she she got the sunday paper and i would i just love to look at the ads for the movies they would have like the little black and white movie posters
0: yeah i remember those
1: yeah and i loved looking at those and uh, Ten years old, you find something called RoboCop. Yeah, and you see that image of him stepping out of his police cruiser. It was like, wow, I really want to see this. So, and the other thing I remember from 1987, and again, only seeing it in the in the newspaper, is another movie came out called Evil Dead Two. And I wasn't familiar with Evil, but I was fascinated by the poster. It was a, it was a skull kind of peeking sideways.
0: I know what the Evil Dead Two poster looks it, it like.
1: Yeah, but I'm describing. There's uh, there's other people listening. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm describing it for them. <laughs> no, Sam and Carly are asleep. Uh, anyway, they're not listening. But it's like a skull, like a profile of a skull. But there's an eyeball in mm-hmm. the skull looking at you, and it terrified me. Really? Yeah, I thought it. Well, I, I was okay. It, it really creeped me out. But okay. so again, though, I was fascinated by it. Like you know how? Right. Like, it was it's just like, like, what is this?
0: It's like it's like when you saw. The Freddy movies, right? The Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Yes. And it was like, yeah.
1: Like,
0: right. Yeah.
1: You, you liked the, yeah. It the was entic- something enticing about it. The one coming for you, like, it was. The glove was, yeah. like, the big hook for me. But
0: anyway,
1: uh, yeah. So anyway, Evil Dead 2 came out. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because both of these movies, what they have in common that I don't. And th- I'm just going by my memory here, what I remember. I don't remember seeing movies that were that violent in the mainstream and these were playing in theaters. But however, both of them, their violence was played up to a ridiculous extreme to the point- right,
0: To where it's it's almost comical. It's
1: like, yeah, it's like parody almost. Right. But it, and another movie came out that year that was, I wouldn't say it's as violent, but it was, it struck me as pretty. And I saw all these like years out. I think I saw RoboCop about a year after it came out on home video. Evil Dead 2, I didn't see till years later. Uh, I think it was early nineties when I first saw the first Evil Dead. And, you know, I watched Evil Dead and then Evil Dead. I think it was around the time Army of Darkness came out and I really was able, I was at an age where I could uh, go to a video store and, and get stuff for myself and watch it. So uh, I guess how I got into the Evil Dead series and stuff like that. You know, going back to movies that I remembered from six years ago or whatever, I would I was like, well, I got to see this Evil Dead 2. It looked fascinating. So, of course, I've seen Evil Dead 1. That's
0: how I I saw it. Yeah, like that's how I saw. like I was at Blockbuster and it looked cool. Yeah, I was like, I'm in right. Let's let's do it.
1: So another another movie came out in 87 that uh, I thought was pretty violent when I saw it at my my neighbor's house on VHS was Predator. And that was a John McTiernan movie. And that that was fairly violent. Yeah,
0: it's relatively violent. like
1: skinning things, ripping spinal columns out, things like that, gross. But yeah, Guy got his arm blown off and stuff. And I wouldn't say as violent as Evil Dead 2 or Robocop. It's kind of an interesting trend, though. You know, mm-hmm. all these movies were made independently of each other. And different it was, creators. It was
0: clearly the way that film was headed. So it was kind of.
1: Well, I think it kind of backed off of that now, though. You know, you don't. It, there it was, was d- definitely a while. Do you where, not
0: remember in Cabin Fever when she's
1: shaving? Shaving? Yeah. Oh, uh, 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 so but gross. That now though, now it's played for realism. You know yeah. what I mean? This was yeah. over the top violence.
0: Right. Almost. Soup. It was comical. just crazy
1: over the top. However. Seeing RoboCop in 1988, I'm guessing, maybe even 89 at, at my friend's house because his dad rented it for me. Awesome guy. I didn't know it was going to be that violent. And I, I don't think I was ready for that much violence. It was a very gory movie. You know, I was just all about this robot cop, you know, and, like, I don't think I was and, ready for that. You know this dude gets his hand blown off and it's
0: really that scene is brutal yeah. when they're when they're shooting him when when he's like murphy when he's yeah murphy. and the whole
1: yeah. the whole scene is supposed to mirror like a crucifixion you know that was his,
0: his jesus christ character yeah
1: and it was supposed to be it's supposed to mirror the crucifixion in, in a super violent way and then you know the resurrection via you know the the robocop uh but yeah, but I, I loved it, though. I, I just I, lo- I was fascinated by it. Again, it was just like I would never seen anything that violent before. Right. You know what I mean? Like for, for a lot of different reasons. But uh,
0: first violent movie I think I saw, I actually have a memory Yeah. It was uh, Pulp Fiction. Really? Yeah.
1: So, again, that was more realistic violence, I think. Yeah. You know but that what was I mean? like
0: that was the first one for me that I remember being like, oh, OK, all right. I'm so, here for it.
1: So anyway, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the creation of the movie. It, it was written by, the concept came up, uh, uh, Ed Newmyer and Michael Miner came up with the concept for the movie. So Ed Newmyer was working on a script about a robot cop, just a 100% robotic cop. Okay. And Michael Miner was working on a concept and a script for a, like a super cop, a guy who gets injured and then when they go to revive him or whatever, they, it's like bionic or something so like he's that.
0: he's like $6 million man style, Yeah, and, like, and so yeah.
1: those concepts, they they came together and created RoboCop, basically. So uh, another movie that it, it uh, kind of influenced a little bit was the original Terminator, which came out in 1984.
0: Really? That came out in 1984?
1: Yeah. yeah the original Terminator? Yeah so when they were writing their scripts though that movie wasn't out yet because you know it takes a lot they, the movie's shot in 86 but obviously they had to write so they knew that was being written so they they waited till that script came out before they you know because they they don't want it to be too much you know the same but right but,
0: you don't want it to be the same thing
1: and despite the, the heavy violence and the both movies are pretty violent but despite the super heavy violence in robocop um terminator definitely plays more like a horror movie you know like the terminator is Right. He's basically a cybernetic Jason Voorhees. You know, yeah. you can't stop him. He he's coming to get you. Whereas RoboCop is more satire, almost, and political commentary. A lot of that. Uh, so,
0: eighty four, huh? Ain't that some shit? Good God.
1: <laughs> so yeah. So initially, uh, they they brought it to a guy named Jonathan Kaplan, a producer, and he passed on it. But he told him to go to Orion Pictures. I'm gonna talk about Orion Pictures briefly. I miss the Orion Pictures logo. It was a, Orion Pictures and Carolco Pictures from the 80s and 90s. I, I don't know, but you just knew what kind of movie you were in for. You know what I mean? It, you knew you you had some idea what it was. I
0: remember the Orion one. I don't know what that other one. Carolco. That was.
1: Yeah. was that was in front of like Terminator 2 and stuff like that. Uh, um, I can't remember, but. I, I just I kind of miss seeing that, so they brought it to a producer named John Davison at Orion Pictures, and and he liked it immediately. He he was like, "Yeah, I want let's do this." So this is when he starts trying to get a director. And obviously, this is American uh, studio, so you know they're going to they go, go American, to but they but everybody passed on. He said. John Davis has said he, he, he guesses a lot of these guys never even got past the title page because they saw you know, RoboCop. It's so goofy. I mean,
0: it's so on the nose. And yeah, it like, just sounds it's just it
1: sounds, it sounds like a kid's it sounds TV childish, show or yeah. something, you know. So uh, Orion said that the, they're like, we're never going to sell it with this title. We got to change the title. But eventually the, the title ended up being a, a service because it just that one word really describes what that movie is. You know what I mean? Yeah so he really
0: does it sums it up perfectly
1: yeah so uh so they contact the, they they find this where they find paul verhoeven now paul verhoeven loves violence he also ended up doing total recall he did basic instinct he loves over the top like sex and violence he's all about it like that's his thing he did oh, I didn't he, know he did Showgirls.
0: i didn't know he did basic instinct
1: so yeah and he was he was a hot commodity in like the early 90s and okay. then I think Hollow Man was like the last big movie he did. he did Starship Troopers again. Oh yeah,
0: he talked about that. It, and that a lot of violence and, and stuff. Yeah.
1: And uh, it, he got the script and he said no at first. He thought it was garbage, just like a lot of directors. But I guess his wife picked. He didn't. He didn't finish reading this. He got like twenty pages in and was like, "No, I'm not doing this."
0: <laughs> he's like, "Fuck this." Fuck and this then movie. his wife
1: picked it up and she said, "Hey, you know, this is there's more to this than what you think. You got to right. read the whole thing." So, uh, after he read it, he he's he's like, "Oh." I'll, I'll do this. So it, initially he just thought it was silly and stupid and said, you know, I'm, I'm not shooting that rubbish. So, but then he'd be, he was attracted to the violence in the movie. <laughs> so, and then when he got to direct it, he kept really pushing the violence. So
0: he kept and, trying to get it next level.
1: And he wasn't even a sci-fi director. You know, he, that wasn't his, his, his genre at all. But he, he, the thing that attracted him was the human elements of the story, you know, uh, as he, I thought robo- it was
0: the violence.
1: So, well, it, well, yeah, that, I mean, that I think was like the initial thing, but I think he could identify with the human side of it, too. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, no, we all know Peter Weller is the one who ended up playing RoboCop, but uh, Michael Ironside was initially considered for the role. I don't know if you know that is he he's got a great voice and he went on to be in. He was in Total Recall. He was in Starship Troopers. Right. And uh, but he, they found his frame was a little too big. They, they they went with Peter Weller for a few different reasons. One of which is he was very slender, and so when they put the suit on him, it didn't look huge and bulky. He didn't
0: look like Demolition Man because
1: they crazy. also they, they wanted like Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff. And their effects guy Rob Botine he might he did the effects in uh, Fight Club. He's done some other movies too. But um, uh, he was like, no, you need to get a, a smaller guy. So they. Peter Weller was in *Buckaroo Banzai*.
0: I don't know who Peter. I mean, I know who he is. I have no RoboCop. I know yeah. who he is from that. But like, I've not, I don't think I've ever seen him or anything else.
1: Uh, they got Nancy Allen to play Ann Lewis. She was. You might remember her from the original Carrie. She was. I think she was one of the like bad girls. I, I
0: remember her from RoboCop. I don't remember her oh, okay. from anything
1: else. She had, I think, she, she was in some other. What was else? Was she in a movie with some movie with Angie Dickinson that was pretty popular. But I, I can not remember what it was. Is. Like,
0: but that? she
1: was always playing, you know, like, uh, you know, like pretty girls and stuff like remember that. Remember
0: Janice Dickinson? Whatever happened yeah. to her?
1: Anyway, uh, she so she she was always kind of playing just kind of girly girls. So, but for RoboCop, she she plays a badass cop basically, right? And she did a great job. Uh, Ronnie Cox plays Dick Jones, the the CEO, or, or the, the next in line at uh, at uh, Omni Consumer Products, OCP. Uh, and he initially, he was always playing the nice guy, the next door neighbor, things like that. And he just plays a total badass in this movie, too.
0: Omni is a very, it's a very um, universal name used in a lot of movies. Have you noticed that? For, like, the bad guy. It's in that, right? Yeah. But you were just watching. Oh wait, that's the same movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just watching RoboCop. <laughs> that's the movie I was watching. I
0: was like, you were just watching research. that movie with the with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and there was Omni, and then I was like, oh wait, that's the 2014 yeah, RoboCop. It was, it was bit, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Just kidding.
1: Just kidding. Disregard. So uh, Miguel Ferrer was brought in again, another Twin Peaks guy.
0: Another Twin Peaks guy. And I, everybody I just him. killed their
1: roles in this movie. Everybody, you know, and my my favorite is Kurtwood smith Oof. as clarence boddicker like the the get your hands dirty villain and there's a few villains in this movie on yeah, some level you know uh ronnie cox's character dick jones is the ultimate villain i guess but and then even the miguel ferrer's character but clarence boddicker as the leader of the gang the gang
0: that yeah does that's
1: man again as as like an 11 11 year old kid that dude terrified me like he's just he's so casual in his application of violence and he yeah. revels in it and then his his gang reveled in it so much it 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 scared it scared me a lot and it was so to see him years later on that 70s show it's just like a crotchety old dude or whatever yeah. it was like that's not that's not Clarence Boddicker <laughs> like who's this guy
0: his birthday what's his name Kurtwood
1: Yeah, Kurtwood Smith.
0: Kurtwood Smith, he turns 75 on July 3rd. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Kurtwood. I'm sure you're listening.
1: So anyway, he wears glasses in that movie. It's kind of like no frame round glasses. And that was a direct that they want him to look like Heinrich Himmler from the leader of the SS. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That's what that's.
0: That was the plan. That's yeah, why he's doing that.
1: That's what they were going for there, like, you know, that, that level of evil. So so I mentioned Rob Bottin earlier. He created this suit. The suit was is really cool. I mean, and back then, again, 31 years ago, this shit was way heavier than the stuff they use in these superhero movies now. Right. None but of this yeah. stuff is comfortable. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you're going to sweat your balls off in any of this stuff. But back then, especially at a smaller budget, too, but it was basically like a, a base suit. It was like a wetsuit underneath... And then they made these fiberglass applications. He had to wear a harness over the wetsuit, and then they snapped on the armor, the, the fiberglass armor. And
0: sounds miserable.
1: Poor. It's like they were shooting in Dallas in summer, uh, and it, it, they said it was like sometimes 120 degrees in some yeah, of the places they were shooting. Texas is awful. And Peter Weller, he lost like 15 pounds in water weight every day, and had to rehydrate nightly
0: to That's
1: to recover from it.
0: What do you mean, rehydrate nightly? Like, just drink water? Or yeah. did, was he, like, on an IV, like, they, rehydrate? They didn't him?
1: say anything about that. They just said he had to, drink, you know, rehydrate every night. The, the first time he put on the suit, it took 11 hours for him to get it on. <laughs> How long did it
0: take to get it off? That, that's, like, a whole day. Yeah. <laughs> it takes twenty hours. Like,
1: you know, it was all the bugs of... Uh, Putting it on he, for the first time. And that, and just, you know, they did a mold of him and everything like that. But then, you know, just the the mechanics of the human body and everything oh they, we got to trim this we got to cut right, this right we, we have to be able to move his that.
0: arm this way and it can't move or whatever
1: and he was really upset because he initially they were supposed to get the suit about two to three weeks before they started shooting in it but Paul Verhoeven didn't like the the initial designs and Rob Bottin is in none of the, none of the stuff that I've watched or looked up he doesn't talk about RoboCop at all he Paul Verhoeven, he I'm from what I gather he really hates Paul Verhoeven and Paul Verhoeven had all these changes and this and that. And it obviously kept pushing the schedule back mm-hmm. only to ultimately go back to almost to the, original the original design.
0: That is my biggest pet peeve as someone who designs things. <laughs> that is what I actually I work. So you for understand somebody. Rob Bottin's pain. I worked for somebody at, not at my current job. I love my current my current company, but I worked for a previous company and they did that to me. Yeah, They would make me come up with one design. Like I would come I would present a design They'd be like, oh, no, we want to see this, 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 this. And I would end up with like three more designs and they yeah. would go back to the original. To and the it's original, like, you just wasted yeah. a week of my time.
1: Paul Verhoeven is very apologetic about that now because he understands now, you know, at the time he just wanted to get it right or whatever. But he's he's like, you know what? He was, he was pissed at me and only to go back to like the original design. He's like, That's and a then fucking. Oh, <laughs> and Peter I Weller,
0: Paul Verhoeven, too, now. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, Paul Verhoeven. I'm sure you're listening as well.
1: Paul Verhoeven wanted time in the suit before he filmed the movie because he was actually working with a, a guy that uh, a mime, and he was instructing him in in mime because he was going to have to act and convey a lot of different things through in the suit. He couldn't there, use his face and stuff like that. Is
0: there a mime school? It was only a mime school. They like, said he
1: he he said he interviewed like seven different mime instructors though. Maybe there is. I don't know. Maybe it's a part of Clown College. So you know
0: what though? I bet. I bet there is because, like, if you go out to LA, there's acting everything. Yeah.
1: So he worked with this guy. He's wearing like hockey pads and all this gear and stuff. And then when he got the actual suit, it was just completely different. So they had to change everything up. And so and there Peter Weller fucking, was all
0: he, this work that he did. Right. Served nearly no purpose. They threw him
1: into the suit, and he said, "Look, I need the time to." to learn this. So right. they shut down production for like two days so he could work with this with this guy and figure out a good way to, to move in this suit because I think before they were working on making it like a snake, they kept talking about, they wanted it to be legato, you know, like smooth motions or whatever while he was in this suit. But when they actually got the suit on him and saw how it was, they kind of switched a from a snake to like a giant beast as what, what he was gonna emulate. So it went from legato to staccato now, you know, very That's, robotic.
0: Uh, yeah, I know what that means. Yeah.
1: yeah but I'm not just talking to you. (laughs) Do you forget that? Well, I don't know if
0: you know this, but podcast listeners can't see you doing these robot moves all over the couch. No, I'm just
1: describing it, though. Uh, Yeah. But it it went from, you know, being very fluid movements to being very stop, jerky, herky-jerky type movements. Yes. Very very, um, over-the-top. kind of.
0: So staccato moves. Exaggerated,
1: yeah. Staccato. So uh, a lot of people talk about how Miserable. They, everybody was miserable working on this movie. Yeah. And the producer John Davison said at one point he said working on RoboCop was like being the victim of a violent crime. You just tried to blank it out afterwards. <laughs> yeah. It Jesus. Was just So many issues with with production and and everything, because you, and again they, everybody just wanted to get it right though. You know what I mean? There's just a lot of passion. So there, there's a scene in the movie where they blow up a gas station that's all re- it's a huge explosion and it was so huge that it caught a building on fire and the fire department showed up and threatened to shut them down and it's kind of funny because their cinematographer was like i don't think it's a big enough explosion when you see this explosion the movie is fucking huge yeah and it's not you know this is 87 this they didn't computer augment it back then right. you know they it's, didn't that wasn't an option like. so
0: so they like blew up something that was set to be demolished or whatever
1: Yeah, they they took over. There was uh, like seven or so buildings that they ended up blowing up for for later scenes and stuff, too. That's really cool. Yeah. So then another character in the movie is Ed 209, Enforcement Droid 209. You may remember the bipedal giant droid. Uh, So his design was based on like the Huey helicopter cockpits, and then the legs were based on a show I used to, actually, a cartoon called Robotech, the the Veritech fighters in that show is, is what the legs were based on. Okay. And uh, Phil Tippett was the guy who came up with that. He was a puppeteer, special effects, stop motion animation type stuff. So, yeah, again, no, no no CGI back then. So this was all done with stop motion. And they actually did have a full size Ed 209, but it didn't move. It was I
0: didn't think that they had a full size. No, Ed yeah, they, cool. they
1: have a full size, but it, you know, but it was just like
0: a still model. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And
1: it was there in the scenes. And then so they had to they do stop motion. They they used uh, what they called rear screen uh, photography, where they would shoot a photographic background plate. They would project that onto a translucent screen. Then they would build a stage for these models. You know, the said to nine was like maybe 13 inches or something. Right. You no, know, not real, real small. big. Is a toy. And then they'd put that stop motion puppet in front of that little stage and film it. And there's there's stuff in the movie. It, it, I still think it's so well done that there's parts of the movie that like the stairwell scene where the two and can't get down the stairs. Yeah, that was a little that was there was a real stairwell that Peter Weller was on. And then they built a, a scale replica of those stairs. And you never realize that that's just a little tiny you know toy stairs. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. crazy. It. it really well done really cool i loved ed 209 as a kid i I thought he was i just loved his design so yeah they 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 finish filming the movie and now they have to submit it for an mpaa rating and it gets an x rating (laughs) (laughs) this was pre nc-17 it just straight up got rated x for violence so they had to make something like nine different cuts to the movie. And they're all small now. Like the, the director's cut is out now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's literally like two minutes of extra footage and it's and all just violence.
0: Took it from an X rating.
1: Yeah, they they it was it, mostly the, the two major scenes that I've noticed are again, the killing of Alex Murphy, who becomes RoboCop, that's the crucifixion a, that's scene. A brutal, that's a they scene. edit that down. Uh, I think they took. I can't remember if they took the hand blowing off out or not. I don't remember. But there's so, that scene's a lot, a little bit shorter. And then the other one is when the Ed 209 kills Kenny, and in, in the boardroom in the conference room, mm-hmm. that scene's just sh- like. And again, it's it's actually it's weird to me, but it works better in the in the, in the
0: shorter version. No, no,
1: no, in the unrated version. Oh. It, to me, it doesn't read as even though there's more violence, it's so much that it it's funny. Yeah, because it's just so absurd how many rounds he puts into this guy that's clearly dead. Like that, he gets shot probably for twenty seconds or something, you know. <laughs> like, and it's yeah. ju- it's it is just absurd. Shooting, and it's and, like and come that, on. That was another uh, thing I like about it. it's. It is a satire. It's uh, it's it's a product of its era. It's it, it's about Reaganomics. It's about unchecked capitalism, and they they have. A lot of those, uh, the fake, the commercials. Do you remember the commercials in the movie? Yeah. Again, just pure satire. And very...
0: By the commercials, you mean the, I'll buy that for a dollar? Well, you had that. that. You had the,
1: I'll buy that for a dollar. But I I mean, just, they have the commercial for an artificial heart. Uh They have a commercial for uh, a car called the SUX 6000. Yeah. The Sucks 6000.
0: That's that one that the guy... Wanted the one yeah, yeah, yeah. holding the yeah, exactly.
1: And then they had a commercial for like the fake battle, the battleship ripoff game and stuff like that. Really, it's called Nuke, and there's like giant nuclear explosion as this family is playing this board game <laughs> at their table and stuff. Um,
0: that is funny, yeah. Like, it, it, funny. Was, it
1: was, it was like I said, it, the, the violence was so over the top that I mean, dude, don't get me wrong, the, the scene when, when they kill Alex Murphy, though, that's like that's very visceral and not comedic but mm-hmm. again when when the ed 209 is shooting that guy it's it's so much and then miguel ferrer's character you know he yells out somebody call a paramedic you know and this guy's been shot like 600 times uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. by by like 50 caliber rounds <laughs> as if, as if there's paramedic. anything you can do right. at that point that a paramedic is going to do for this guy very again just a, a dark subtle sense of humor for a lot of this stuff so yeah the, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar a lot of people have probably heard that and don't even know that that's where that originated. That the, I knew the game show host who, who's, or the, I always thought of him as like a Benny Hill type character. Yeah. you know what I mean. It was that that was kind of what that reminded me of. It was on all the TVs all the time. Mm-hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yep. And people people say that all the time, and nobody really knew what it meant, and they didn't really know what it. No, meant. No, it doesn't.
0: It doesn't have <laughs> it was, a meaning. It's just a reference. No,
1: yeah. So then RoboCop went on to spawn a couple sequels. The second one uh, was directed by Irvin Kirshner, who also directed Empire Strikes Back. And it was written by Frank Biller, the comic book writer who, mm-hmm. uh, who also did uh, Sin City and 300. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't as good as the first one. It didn't, it didn't have the satirical tone. Unfortunately. I still I like RoboCop 2 a lot. And then RoboCop 3 came out and it was PG-13. I, I've seen it one time. It was in the theater. It was really bad. And then so then they were like made for TV movies that a lot of people don't know about they were called like RoboCop Prime Directives. Never saw a single one of those. Peter Weller wasn't in the third RoboCop either. He wasn't. He hasn't been in a RoboCop since RoboCop 2. And then 2014 they did a remake which I actually enjoyed and Ed Newmyer and Michael Miner were involved in that. Not nearly as good as the original, but I think if, if you if You just watch it and you've never seen the original. It's, it's, I think it's really a really good and really enjoyable yeah, movie. Yeah,
0: we, we watched it the other day. Yeah, it,
1: it's a good movie. It, it, it didn't take off, unfortunately. But again, it's, it, they didn't, you know, they, they took a different tact with, you know, they didn't do the overtop violence. It's only PG 13 movie. It's still, no. tons of people getting shot and killed. It's kind yeah. of funny how that's changed nowadays. It's too. very funny.
0: That was the other thing I was going to ask. You said it was before NC 17, right? Yeah. What did, so porn is triple x right yeah what is the x rating
1: i don't know if that i think x might be triple x i don't know oh
0: is it i I I don't know
1: know. i haven't actually investigated that but x basically meant no theater was going to show your movie the only theater that would show it would be a movie that would play x-rated movies so and that's why the nc-17 thing was created because sometimes they they wanted to make a movie that wasn't quite porn level wasn't triple x there was maybe some explicit sex but i think i talked about this before with clerks Clerks got slapped with an NC-17, yeah, or an or an X. I don't remember at the time, but uh, you know, kiss of death type thing, you know. Yeah, Uh, and they and that was literally just for language. That that was just strictly for language. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: remember back when we were kids and TV didn't used to have ratings. Yeah, TV has ratings.
1: TV has ratings, and it's funny. It has ratings, but it nobody
0: pays attention to them.
1: No, it also has a lot more swearing and and which is good. I think that's a good thing.
0: It's a little bit more realistic. I mean, yeah. really,
1: it's a lot more believable, right? When people are swearing and it's of those not situations. all the Brady
0: Bunch all the time. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I I like RoboCop. I mean, I the it's no Ninja Turtles, but it'll do.
1: <laughs> I think that movie. If you if you just watch that movie, it's also shot. Um, there's no wasted time in that movie. You know what I mean? No, there's that. That's a. It's a very aerodynamic movie, if that makes sense. It it moves. Er, every scene makes sense in the movie, and the characters are great. And when you hear the actors talk about it now, like you saw me watching the behind the scenes footage where Paul Paul Verhoeven, being Dutch, Dutch. not you know ah. English, not being his first language, there there's a scene in RoboCop where um, Dick Jones sends. Uh, he sends Clarence Boddicker to kill Bob Morton, Miguel Ferrer's character, he sends him to his house when he has some, some prostitutes over and they're, they're, you know, messing around and doing cocaine and just having a, a great yeah. time. And in the scene, Kurtwood Smith, Clarence Boddicker said he comes in the house, he shoots Bob Morton a couple times in the legs or whatever uh, to talk to him. And he's like, bitches leave. Like that's, that's how he says, that's the line. And when, uh, when Paul Verhoeven was directing the scene, uh, Miguel Ferrer was saying he, he didn't think that Paul Verhoeven knew that bitches was a pejorative term. Yeah. So when he was directing the scene, and he's just like, okay, bitches, bitches, <laughs> take your marks. All right, uh, let's see how we want to do this. Uh, bitches leave. No, no, let's do a pause. Bitches, come back. And, okay, that's a wrap on the bitches. Take you, bitches. <laughs> like, that's how he did the scene.
0: Thank you, bitches. And,
1: he, and uh, Kurtwood Smith and Miguel Ferrer are just laughing their asses off oh. the whole time because that's... That's, that's that, hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's so 80s, too.
0: Yeah, it really <laughs> is.
1: Oh. So, yeah, that's... And I, I also just want to add, too, RoboCop was the first DVD I ever bought. I didn't even own a DVD player. My, my good friend Steve bought a DVD player in 1998. So they're relatively new. I don't know if they came out in 97 or 98. Bought a DVD player, and uh, I... I saw the Criterion Collection for RoboCop on DVD and I had to have it. And it was crazy expensive too. It was probably 30, 35 bucks. But Criterion Collection does a fantastic job with remastering stuff and putting together the supplemental Criterion stuff. Criterion
0: Collection like is that a company?
1: Like, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's like a label almost. Typically the, the movie studios they remaster a lot of stuff, you know, like Seven Samurai, and just, you yeah. know, classic movies. And at this point RoboCop was about I think it came out on DVD in 98. So it was like 11 years old. Modern day classic, though. And the for two reasons, I, I really enjoyed this DVD. One, it was just a, it was Robocop. And two, it's just this new format of DVD where they had director's commentary and loved, special features and behind like, the scenes.
0: That was my jam. Back when when DVDs started coming out, yeah, director commentary. It was like, yeah, there
1: was so much, and I learned so much, and I literally just stayed up all night watching every special feature on this DVD, yeah, and be, became enamored with learning everything I could about that and movie. And now we've I gone love on the other
0: way. I mean, we really right. have. Like now, it's everything streaming, and everything is like just the movie, just the clip, right? You know, I still like, do that
1: for movies. Like I, I went, I did like a deep dive on the Deadpool Blu-ray uh, a few months ago, and and really got into the special features behind the scenes and stuff like that. But but yeah, it was also it, it was the novelty. It was new. You know, it'd be, right. I bought VHS tapes. And you might get like a special featurette at the end or something, maybe. But or, or but
0: they were hard. I mean, VHS yeah, tape sucks because you had to start at the beginning. Right. right. So like rewind. And then they would always put like coming soon. Right.
1: It was always it was the yeah, worst coming the attractions first, and stuff worst, like that. The so, worst. yeah, the, being able to, to learn all that on this disc you know in a disc-based format where you just press a button it skips right to it yeah and so like i said it was it was a double whammy i, I already loved the movie i had already seen it multiple times and uh but also again just this that whole new format and the idea that holy crap the director and the writers are telling me you know what happened, what happened? why they did this right. why they filmed the scene why they wrote these lines it was so cool yeah so, so i have i just have a lot of fond memories of that movie and and uh it, but like i said it's also it's just a really well-made movie it really is it's it does you know a lot of people including the actors the director initially just wrote it off as a b movie you know a straight-to-video mm-hmm. you know like a early jean-claude van damme movie like cyborg or something where it, but but no it got a it got a theatrical release and ended up uh being a huge hit and now now in detroit there is a i think it's a 10 foot tall statue of robocop in their science center
0: that's awesome.
1: That somebody kickstarted it was almost started as a joke, and then it became a reality, and and now there, there's, it's like that Rocky statue in Philadelphia. You know yeah, what I mean? Like that's now, awesome to now me. Detroit it's has has Robocop. That's cool. So yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that.
0: Um, We're never gonna do Forrest Gump. <laughs> I can't Remember, take the emotional devastation. What was that? Uh, what no. It? Welcome
1: no, to no. What's no. What's the movie called? The new Steve Carell movie coming out.
0: I don't remember. Welcome the
1: Marcon or something like that. Yeah,
0: like whatever it's called. I'm not seeing that. You watch
1: that trailer no. and you just text me and you're like, nope, I like, will not never, see
0: that. Never, ever, <laughs> never, ever will I see that. <laughs> it looks that really good. It looks really Robert good. Zemeckis, Yeah, it's a
1: very Forrest Gump vibe to it for sure.
0: Robert Zemeckis can go fuck himself because that <laughs> he that dude is like so good at directing. But it just he's just like do with your heartstrings. he's you just pull on. Yeah. Like, that's oh, based I'm on a true story. Yeah. It? That doesn't make it. No. And it looks it's very upsetting.
1: I, I really want to see that.
0: Oh, that's
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's all I have for this week. It's kind of a, it's a little bit of a longer episode. I'm guessing
0: it's a very long episode. this So week. sorry, guys. I have a lot of editing to do and I didn't get a lot of sleep because I didn't get home till four o'clock in the morning
1: but yeah whose fault is that
0: yours oh <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay, who, who else who else is to blame? <laughs> you were like sober as a judge the whole time and you uh let us stay out till four that's your fault
1: it's weird how the losing our car right was a catalyst for just being like oh fuck it we've already spent all this money just getting down here we might, might as, as well, well stay <laughs> down here right
0: yeah, it it was ridiculous because at a normal birthday party we would have been gone at like ten ten thirty. Right,
1: we'd we'd been home by midnight easily. Yeah, and instead it was just like, well, shit.
0: Well, it's like, well, we don't have anything else going on. Right. It's not like I can get in my car and go home. Right. And then the Uber one time rates we checked Uber. Uber rates go crazy <laughs> yeah. at
1: certain times, man. When, it was it was like a thirty, I think thirty five dollars was like the absolute lowest price for us to get home from Akron.
0: Yeah, That's um, the we price. ended up
1: paying a little bit more than that at the time we went home, but. At one point, it reached $113 yeah. because of surging and, you know, people coming home from bars and stuff like that. It was it's at crazy. last call as well. Yeah.
0: There was a point before it.
1: that, though, too, is around one o'clock where it was up really high. Yeah. Because I was, I, you know, I was checking here and there. I'm like, I, I, that was part of the reason we stayed out late, too. It's like, let's wait for these prices to go back down
0: <laughs> Right, <laughs> because was I'm, so... I'm
1: paying $113 to get home.
0: I already paid $200 and my car towed, and now I have to pay to get a tire. Right. Oh, my God. I So angry. No words. That's absurd no words like (laughs) if so furious probably my last jeep vehicle
1: it's not just jeep though i look i had to look it up afterwards and apparently as of last year 28 percent of cars new cars don't come with a spare your car doesn't have a spare yeah you told me that
0: yeah yeah life is hard
1: so anyway uh, that's
0: everything for this week's episode rate review subscribe
1: Tell your friends friends. and feel free to visit our Facebook page. Give us a like, leave us a comment. Yeah, if
0: you're going to get on Facebook, we haven't talked about this in like over a month, but we have a Facebook listeners group. Yes. So we do have a group that we post, that we'll talk. I mean, we don't do like mega threads or anything because we don't have a ton of members because we don't promote this. But if you're interested, we're going to start promoting it. If you want to, if you want to get involved, you want to chat with us. That's where you'll find us. You can still find us on our website, obviously, but i facebook think the facebook pages. page is
1: a little bit easier to it's navigate easier
0: you don't have to create an account everybody's right. got a facebook and you can see like our real facebook like we posted our vacation pictures in the group yeah like, you can like see like stuff and you can see other people's other listeners and what they think
1: yeah so, so awesome yeah give us a like but do you have any teasers for next week
0: no i have no idea what i'm doing
1: i think i'm gonna surprise everybody and talk about star wars no i'm not doing that i was like <laughs> I, I don't like, think, we'll think i am it. i might change my mind who knows <laughs> like, maybe, maybe maybe star wars
0: yeah i no i wanted to do the silk road thing so, do, so bad that like i should like, do like, the strategic
1: defense initiative star wars that would throw everyone off
0: <laughs> you should do <laughs> trump's new star force or whatever it's star called Force. Yeah, space, space force space force yeah you should do dun, that dun, cover dun. that Oh, my God. How is this? Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.